This is Michael Commit, and welcome to Downhill From Here. I know I usually have some tradition to quote some intellectual in a sardonic and vaguely related manner, but I didn't think it was necessary today. Probably because our episode is about tradition, or more specifically, the crazy cultural or family rituals my friends and I took part of while growing up. Speaking of friends, joining me is Sarah Cardenas and Ava Rogers, both of whom qualify for this subject by virtue of being part of the traditional midnight taco runs during midterms activity. That said, if you're a fan of timing movies to New Year's, getting face slammed into your birthday cake, or provocatively dancing with your betrothed while your drunken uncles make it rain on you, then you're in for a treat. So, if you're looking for boring social ideas, then it's kind of concerning you found us. Still, enjoy the show. So, I have gathered you guys here together on an important decision that will affect the lives of millions, or at least two. I hope that it's millions. I want to be the instigator of pain. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ava Rogers, uh, would you like to introduce yourself further for the audience? Uh, my name's Ava. Um, I that's that's the only piece of information I can think about myself. I mean. No, I'm the coolest kid on the block. How about that? Mm. You were the type of kid who was uh, taking dimes and lunch money from other kids growing up, huh? Mm, uh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Living in denial of your thug life, we can accept that. <laughs> Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Sarah Cardenas. Um, I... I'm Mexican. I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Capricorn, and I'm the person that Ava steals money from. Wow. <laughs> you know, I think that was a little bit rude to bring that up. I don't know. Like, it kind of hurts my feelings that you brought up the fact that I steal your money. Does it? I'm yeah. so sorry. I don't know. I feel, I feel like that was a little insensitive. I don't know. I'll buy you Chipotle <laughs> later to make it up. No, I'll steal the money and buy Chipotle myself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, man, could you imagine if they had, like, a Dr. Phil show, but it was, like, bullies and their victims when they'd grown up and they have to, like, reconcile their childhood? Like, that sounds like such a horrible idea, yet I would still watch that. No, listen, if I saw my bully again from high school, it would not be a good situation for anybody involved. I will say that. You're going to paint that fool onto the sidewalk. Uh, more than that. Oh, wow. But that's a tragic backstory that we don't have um, time for, nor does the audience have clearance for. We are following the great human tradition of trying to make sense in a world gone awry. It just sucks. Yep, it really does. And on the subject of sucky traditions, the reason I've gathered you here, apart from influencing and swaying the millions, to give Ava all of our money... Thank you, thank you. I wanted to discuss with you guys, what crazy family traditions did you guys have growing up, if any? Or bear with me for using the rather English romantic type of uh, quote here, but what rites of passage did you guys feel like you went through as kids? Who wants to go first? Uh, I mean, I can. I, I only have one that's actually like 
pretty entertaining. I mean, on um, New Year's, every single year for over 10 years, um, my family will watch Shrek 1 and 2. <laughs> and we will plan it so that when when it strikes midnight, it hits a certain part of the movie. And that, that wasn't something that happened all 10 years, but it's something that has progressed. You know? Let me guess, let me guess. The part of the movies you tried to hit at midnight was at the end of Shrek 2 when they started singing I Need a Hero. No, I, I mean, I can't recall what we did every year. I do remember that we did one year where it's like, you know, in Shrek 1 when the dragon broke through the window to eat Farquaad. We, we aimed for that. We aimed for somebody Somebody once told me in Shrek 1. Y- usually we aim for somewhere in the middle of the movie so that we actually have a substantial foot in Shrek before New Year starts. You know, start it off right. I was about to say, you're starting the year off right with Shrek. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I will say I don't think I've ever thought that I was going to hear the sentence, one foot in Shrek. So that hey, was don't, I, uh, actually, never mind, we're not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast shall remain clean for the children. You just said it's okay if we say any curse words or anything before we start recording. Oh, I was yeah. actually oh, yeah, that's right. going to shun Sarah for implying that I would disrespect Shrek by saying that I'm worthy of him. But, you know, like... listen. Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Why we do we that. mention that video? <laughs> okay. I did not. Okay, I, I, I do have to say really fast, I feel like anyone who can consider themselves a child of the internet has to know what Shrek is love, Shrek is life is. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. If you grew up with Windows 98, then you turned into a teenager when you had to e- when you either saw that video or heard about that video. No, you turned into an adult when you saw the hashtag on Tumblr. Dear gosh, that was on Tumblr? It was everywhere. 4chan, Tumblr, the beginnings of Reddit. It sounds like a you problem for being on Tumblr. Listen, <laughs> listen. Talk about Tumblr. You were on 4chan at that young of an age, huh? I deny nor agree with anything. So, yeah. Good then. <laughs> hey, would you have any other traditions besides that one? I feel like there was a mild rite of passage sort of thing that we used to do. Um, our dog, Paco, um, I've had him since I was five years old. So he's obviously a really important part of our family. And we have a family friend that just loves him more than anything and would kind of like howl his name. He'd go like, Paco! And it was just like a, a way to say like, I love you so much that so I'll scream your name on a mountaintop. And so there were, there were many nights where somebody would start, like, screaming Paco's name and everyone would have to join in or you would, you know, get shunned or, you know, like, maybe, like, kicked in the shin. Somebody starts yelling <laughs> Paco, all of you start yelling Paco. <laughs> so it's like a wolf howl. <laughs> Stop. Oh, don't compare Ava's a furry. <laughs> Shut up. Ava's a furry confirmed. Wait, what? At least I'm not a weeb. <gasps> Shut oh. up. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. I did not bring enough. Leave wa- me alone. I did not bring enough water bottles to extinguish any fires that get started here. All right. <laughs> well, with that daring revelation now upon us all, uh, Sarah, do you have any particular tr- traditions, rites of passage, or 
you know, neighborhood rituals, I guess, for lack of a better term? Um, so we have a few. If you want to hear, like, the cultural Latina stuff, or we can hear, like, the crazy story that is my family kind of stuff, whichever one you guys would prefer to hear. I think family. Like, the more personal, the better. Like, because, like... You know, I don't think that there's any other family that screams Paco at the top of their lungs. So I want to hear, I want to hear like the the weirdest of weird. You know what I mean? Okay, so this is one with me and my sister. A family tradition that we have is like, if you make a promise with someone, or if you're like lying, like whatever, like that's not good per se. Like we're gonna get mad at if you if we find out you're lying or something. But the one thing we do not break in my family, no matter what, is the pinky promise. Like, you could, like, say whatever you want in your promise or whatever. If you pinky promise that, it has to happen. You have to, like, be telling the truth. It is, like, the one thing we do not break in my family. And I will never forget, like, my sister and I were in a huge argument in front of people. And that was, like, a huge no-no in my family. Like, we don't argue in front of people because that's considered really rude. And my sister was, like... Do you promise you didn't do that? It was like that full, you know that, did you touch my drum set, Brennan? It was that full situation, but like about something else in my house. And I was like, I, I did not, I promise I did. And she goes, without a word, she just puts her pinky up. Like everyone watching it was so confused. And I like gripped her pinky and I was like, I promise on my pinky, I did not do it. And she's like, okay, I believe you. And the conversation just ended. And it took, like, a full 10 minutes for the people that were watching to comprehend what really happened. And I don't think they ever really did, because we didn't talk about it. We were just like, okay, cool. And we actually, like, nothing else happened. Um, I've got another one, and it's this one's more cultural, but our family takes it to the extreme. Um, so with this one, my the, it's, it's a culture in Mexico where you'll sing happy birthday when it's someone's birthday, and then you'll say, like, mordida mordida which means like take a bite so you take a bite of the cake and they smash your cake and in, into the, your face into the cake my family takes that tradition and tends to almost break people's noses with it if that makes sense um i blame my parents for this one um my parents knew each other when my dad was a missionary and while he was on his mission he had his birthday and he was celebrating it and my mom was there and he convinced all of his companions because there was like more than one set of missionaries that were there at the party and they like my dad like told them to like go on the far, far end so they wouldn't like smash his face in or anything like that and he wasn't really thinking about it he had like like my mom and his her friend in behind him but he was like it's fine it's whatever she's a nice investigator sister she's not gonna do anything she goes he goes to take a bite of the cake and according to them my mom says that she didn't do it that hard, but according to my dad, my mom grabbed her the back of his head and slammed him so hard into this cake that it had a permanent indention. It looked like someone had thrown a basketball at it and just exploded the cake. My dad claims that he was um, blowing out blue frosting boogers out of his nose for like two weeks. It, the frosting went that up his nostrils. Oh, man. We have broken plates, like glass plates that were on cakes with that. It was like people's faces. Once I was trying very hard not to get my face put in a cake. 
So I like moved out of the way at the last second and we had hot cocoa on the table and it knocked all over on top of me. But I didn't care because I didn't get cake on my face. It's just that crazy of a thing. I actually have the video on my phone if you want me to send it to you guys later. It was pretty crazy. I but wish yeah. the audience could see that. And I also wish in some ways that your dad got a fun cushion to remember <laughs> or to forget <laughs> with that experience with your mom, you know? Yeah, that would have been nice. You know what You know what I envision? I envision Sarah Cardenas in an alternate reality is a WWE wrestler. Listen, that and is my secret identity. I don't think you realize that. I'm like Nacho Libre of professional wrestling. Just get you're, ready for that. You're Lucha Libre. But if I can bring some Americana into this, forgive me. No. Your finishing move is mordida. Someone brings out a table <laughs> with a cake and the audience starts chanting, mordida, mordida. And you take your opponent and you slam their face into the cake, through the table, through the floor. I love that. John Sienna would have nothing on me. Neither would Randy Orton. You know, I like how you mentioned like, like cultural tradition because that made me think of something. Mm-hmm. So I'm Filipino by heritage, which is like Mexican Asia. And every time there is a wedding, they do this thing called the money dance, where the couples will do like a slow dance for a solid 15 minutes. And each member of the family gets some cash and they come up and they find a place to like put it on the couple, like behind the ear or like uh, in the mouth. And the other couple has to use their mouth to get the money and put it in a basket. So it's kind of a, it's a cool tradition, but what's hilarious is that every time I go to one of these things, it just gets absurd because it starts off innocent. They'll like put it behind the ear, like in the collar. Eventually the drunk uncles get in line and they put it like in her dress or like in his belt line. And they're just like in the middle of the dance and they're just going for this money placed around various parts of their partner's clothing. It's honestly charming and also like one of those, okay, this is unique and interesting and and all that. And then one of the other drunk uncles, I saw this at a wedding one time. One of my uncles, I think it was Chris, straight up just pushes the bride aside, puts the 10 in his mouth. And like the groom goes, <laughs> full, he just like comes up, basically kisses my uncle to get this $10 and puts it in the basket. And I freaking loved that moment. It was like, my family's awesome. I love these guys. We have a tradition like that in Mexico, but it's a bit different. Like you just pin it. Like we get like bobby pins and stuff and we pin it on their clothes. So in the end, they look like they're just covered in money. But um, you made me remember one tradition. Sorry if I'm interrupting. Oh, it's all right. So one of the things that we do is the idea is that you put a bride and a groom on top of like a chair or whatever, and they have to hold on to their significant other who's on the floor. Like they each take turns on this chair. And the idea is, is that they won't fall down. You'll have like the bridal party holding on to the bride and everyone else that's at the wedding will go in a circle around this bride and they will try to knock her over and if they knock her over it's it means it's bad tithings it means like the wedding's gonna fail like she's not gonna be truthful she won't be a pillar and then after the bride stays standing it's the guy's turn it's the groom's turn to be on the chair and then all of the females and of the wedding and stuff like that will like football into this guy trying to knock him down and it's the groomsman's job to like hold him up. I have seen wedding dresses get torn. I have gotten my own heels broken and I have seen a groomsman got his tooth knocked out because you're just, it becomes 
crazy because everyone's drunk at one point because it's a Mexican wedding. And like you said, like, it's just something in our culture that makes people get drunk at weddings. I mean, your culture is an ocean away, but continue on. Yeah. But um, it's just like pushing each other, shoving each other, just total chaos. And at the end, everyone loves it, even though the bride and the groom look like a complete wreck. But yeah. Ah, weddings. Such a wonderful tradition and a perfect opportunity to get drunk and do crazy stuff. I have been to one wedding in my life. How was it? I don't remember. I was three. Oh. Okay. <laughs> How were the pictures of that? Cute. I don't know. <laughs> I was a flower girl and I, oh. I I lifted the basket up and dumped all the petals on my head and just walked down. So I, I wasn't I wasn't the best flower girl, but You're perfect in my heart, Ava. That's one person. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just like imagining a three-year-old you just in your mind. This may be the bride's wedding, but this is my moment to shine. Proceeds to dump all the petals like slow motion. I I was kind of an oddball of a kid. I did a lot of crazy things. And I mean, I'm still pretty adventurous. But, you know, like people will consider it cute if you dump a, a basket of flowers on your head as a three-year-old. But I definitely can't do that now. So I have to find other ways to be a clown, you know? It can, it's a hard life, I have to say, you know, being a clown. I don't want to be rude, and I know it's going to come off rude, but I think you're a wonderful clown, Ava. <laughs> I, I don't take that. I don't take that as an insult in any way. I appreciate it. means I'm doing my, my job right. Get you, paid. Are, you are helping our society out by being the best clown we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Talk about clown. clowning around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, what were some of the weird things that I did as a kid that I wouldn't be able to get away with today? I have a hard time thinking back to my life as a child because, to be absolutely blunt with you guys, I was the kid who cried at everything. And unfortunately, I I was also like that all the way up into, like, late elementary school and even middle school. It's not a part of my life I like to think much about back on. I was definitely a big wuss as a kid. I couldn't watch, like, any movies. Like, my aunt used to watch, like, some criminal investigation shows when I was little. And it was, like, it was fine seeing, like, the dead body or whatever. But then for some reason, like, seeing them go through, like, a dark room. And I'm like, no, I didn't like it at all. But now I was, like, oh, I'm huge on horror movies. Like... When I watched Hereditary, I was alone at 2 a.m. with noise-canceling headphones. I was prepared. I was, like, thick-skinned. But then, you know, just 10 years ago, it would be like, um, I don't want to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night because goblins, you know, <laughs> hold your pee until morning. <laughs> but, yeah, whatever. There comes a point, like, I can imagine, like, your story arc of this process you watch The Ring when you're 10, you're scared of the girl coming through your TV. You watch The Ring as you're 20, you're waiting for the girl to come through the ring so you can grab her <laughs> by her stupid hair, deck her in the face, and take her place. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I guess I'm just completely desensitized. I think it's partially just because, you know, like, being the youngest in my family, you definitely want to act like an adult around your siblings. So, you know, you, you just... You just grow up quickly so that you can act like the cool kid. I think at one point, we all had a point in our childhood where we watched a movie and we suddenly felt older because of it. 
In my family, we had the strict PG-13, you watch when you're 13 rule. And because I was the youngest in my family, that was enough time for mom and dad to perfect how to enforce that. For those of you who can't see, Ava just gave me the what? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I was kind of sheltered as a kid, but I still remember. Somewhere in the 2000s, I remember the first PG-13 movie I was allowed to watch, I was allowed to break this tradition in my family, was Pirates of the Caribbean. And I was, I like prepared my body and soul for that experience because I thought I would be like terrified or petrified and horrified. It was made by Disney. I, I, I don't know why I didn't notice that beforehand. But nonetheless, <laughs> I walked out of the living room feeling a little bit older. And the mom wouldn't let me watch Revenge of the Sith afterwards. So that was kind of tragic. That is tragic. I know. I missed all the memes, too. Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? Yeah, mom, <laughs> mom sent me away from that scene because evidently if I watched that scene, I would grow up to be a sand-hating chosen one child murderer someday. Listen. Did he not become the hero at the end of it, though? He really did. Yeah, so I don't see what the problem is with becoming like that. Go back so... and go back in time. Listen, Michael, first off, stay off trampolines. Second off. <laughs> oh, no. Second off. When you when mom tells you you can't watch episode three, tell her. But mom, I if, if I truly am going to turn out like Darth Vader, I'm going to get to throw my overlord down a reactor. And then they're going to make an unnecessary trilogy about it afterwards. <laughs> anyway, so, well, until time travel's invented, I'm afraid that's not going to happen. Back to Ava's original question. Sarah, do you like horror movies? I adore horror movies. I love, like, crime and horror. But, okay, so I'm very nitpicky about them. If it's, like, um, slasher films where it's, like, all bloody and grotesque and it's not, like, really scary. Like, the fear comes from, like the grossness of it, you know, like Saw or like other movies like that. I'm not a fan of it, but like the suspense where the cinematography is amazing and the acting's good and you truly don't know what's going to happen next, like with The Ring or Babadook, even Babadook was a little bit weird, but that one was good too. Like those are the ones that I really, really like, like the ones that like really get you into the story and stuff. And I actually, we didn't have like a 13 and up rule per se like our parents would have to watch the movie first and then if she, they thought it was okay we could watch it but they were very adamant about me not watching horror movies until I was a certain age so instead I would play horror video games which were like 10 times worse because they don't have like you know they're not government um there's not laws against it you know like so people can put like all kinds of unfiltered adult horror games on Steam and Xbox, and I would be like, oh, this looks like fun. Let me play it. And then I wouldn't be able to sleep for like six nights. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thanks, Mom. I do think that that was a huge factor in me um, growing up in that sense. Like, to be able to withstand horror movies is, you know, like hours of playing Outlast and, you know, be eventually just no longer being afraid of being chased down hallways, just being like, oh my gosh, he's so annoying. Mm. Oh my gosh, make it stop. Oh. But then, you know, then you watch a movie and then you're like, well, luckily I don't have to deal with this. I'm not going to have to restart from the last chapter if he catches the main character or whatever. That is true. That's true. Yeah. And I think a big reason for me not being scared of horror movies and stuff like that is like, I know it's fake. Because like in the end of the day, they're like all actors. I can look them up online. I can see their life stories and stuff like that. Like, none of it's real, you know? 
So, like, I can just watch it and I cannot be scared because I feel very disconnected. But in video games, that's you, you know? Like, <laughs> that's the, you're the one that's moving around trying to save all your items, trying not to get killed by, like, whatever thing that's stalking you in the night or whatever. And so that's what would always... It would actually like, make me more mad than scared. Like, I can play any video games, but I will be honest, the one video game that I still, to this day, cannot play... And this is, like, really embarrassing and bad. Um, you know Call of Duty Zombies? Yeah. I can't play it. I can play Outlast. I can play Doom. I can play um, Last of Us, Seven Ways to Die. I can play, like, any horror game you can think of. I can play it, probably. I cannot play Zombies. Wow. I don't know why. It's just, it's terrifying. They're not even, like, very good graphically designed zombies. They, like, scream the worst things, but I hate them. I can't play it. I freak out. I forget, like, what my ammo button is. I can't do any of it. I just die, like, within the first five, first wave. So you can play it, just poorly. <laughs> Terrifyingly, like, screaming while playing with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no tears. I mean... That's why there are many horror games, right? That's true. I will say this much, though. Sometimes I don't think we need to watch horror movies to be absolutely petrified growing up in our families. Sometimes all it takes is our parents to say, like, a certain phrase or word, and we know that life as we know it is over. At least that's been my experience. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's a pretty universal experience. If there's a Maddie that you know and she gets called Madeline and all of a sudden it's pee your pants fear because you know that that means she's in trouble. Or with me, if you call me Ava Louise, that's always kind of terrifying. Can we use that against you now? You could, but... I don't. I feel like it's not the same weight. Probably not, yeah. Yeah, it's different when it's your mom walking downstairs, you know? Mm. Like just patiently just saying... Ava Louise and you're you're preparing to hear what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I am preparing my body and mind for whatever torment is about to occur. I think for me, because we all have the universal ones when we're kids, like you know, uh, when someone uses your full name, including your middle name, or like Ava just said, when you hear one of your parents walking towards your general vicinity. For me, I think in my later years, the biggest thing that uh, would make me go into fight or flight with nowhere else to go would be Dad saying, all right, Mike, let's go work on the Bronco. So uh, give me some context here. Time back into family traditions. There's an untold tradition in my family that all the boys need to rebuild a car with Dad sometime in their high school years. My oldest brother didn't do it, but my brother Daniel did it. He rebuilt an old Jeep, and then I decided to do it and it was a 75 Ford Bronco, which I now can't drive because of paralysis. Kind of a shame, that one. But I kid you not. Uh, you know, like, uh, first off, Dad, if you listen to this, I love you incredibly. But you know that old joke that people put on the internet of, like, me trying to hold the light underneath the hood? <laughs> that or doing math with your dad at the kitchen table. Yeah. Uh-huh. Same realm. Yeah. Now, imagine, yeah, so same realm. So... <laughs> There was about a period of my life, a year and a half, where I'm rebuilding this Bronco, which looking back was a great time to like bond with dad, but so many things went wrong. This one time, 
we had to weld the roll cage together. I don't know if you know cars that well. The roll cage is okay. So we weld. We're welding the roll cage together, and we were lifting it up to put it on the back of the Bronco. And we only tack welded it, which is like just welding it long enough for you to get it on, then we could full weld it. I mess up. We're bringing this up onto the Bronco, and then I torque it a different way, and the thing snaps in half and falls apart right as we're placing it down. Not only does it make a giant noise at 6 a.m. when we were doing this, it also probably dented the floor and chipped the side. And uh, yeah, that was that was a very unpleasant morning. <laughs> Dad, in his anger, took one of the broken pieces and straight up smashed it against the replaced hood. Not the new one, the one we replaced, uh, that was leaning against the wall. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a rough day. There was another time we caught the carburetor on fire. Fortunately, that wasn't, wasn't so bad. And then another time that we had the axles on backwards after installing them. That was dumb. Um, so yeah, now the Bronco's beautiful, and I don't regret building it. But the process of doing that... Oh, man, that's a subject for another time. I've never done anything like that. No crazy family projects? I mean, yeah, we have, we have crazy family projects, but I guess, like, more more relating to cars. I guess, like, the most interesting thing we have with cars is that um, we have, like, a mechanic family friend, and he has a lot of cars that he has kind of, like, has ready to, like, work on, but, you know, he's working on other things. And there are a couple of cars that, you know, just... They're not worth it. You can't, you can't like put way too much work into them because they're kind of tin cans. And since my family doesn't have that much money, he used to do this thing where, where I, I dare say continues to do this thing where um, if there's a car that he just decides that he doesn't want to fix, he'll give my family that car. And then we can just, you know, for like eight months or sooner if it lasts that long, we'll just kind of run into the ground and be like, that's a car. <laughs> you know, it's not a good car. It's not a bad car. It's I, just a car. It's yeah. like, I'm just. It's like eight months of pain later, you get it done. It's like it's a car. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we don't have to you know work on it. Usually, like they're extremely cheap or free because they're not good cars, and you know they'll have a lot of issues. But it's a free car, so. Mm -hmm. No, no tears, no complaints. No, no complaints tears. at all. Yeah. No beef. Yeah. <laughs> no beef, just chicken. Just chicken. Just chicken and a side of veal. <laughs> well, Sarah, do you have any crazy family project stories by chance? Um, I don't think we have like crazy family projects just because my dad's very much a, um, dad, if you're listening to this, I love you very much and I respect you and Please do not take away any privileges that I have under your house. But um, he's very much a I can do it guy. And if we try to do it and try to help, we get in trouble. So let just let him do it. Does that make sense? Hmm. But I will say that like something that we do do all the time together is like math homework. And it's not the best. But yeah. Hmm. But at the end of the day, they taught us to be tough. I like how both of you had 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 to like have that like a uh, preceding comment of dad if you're listening to this dad specifically if you're listening to this i'm sorry and i love you <laughs> well you know liability <laughs> my dad and i butt heads a lot but i think we're we're pretty good he's my partner in crime besides becca mm -hmm. if there's anything that any good western movie has taught us is that the people who taught us to be tough 
are the ones who usually get on our nerves the most. And quite frankly, that's not a Western movie trope. That is literally everywhere. Why I dropped that thing at the beginning, I have no idea. <laughs> well, we're coming up around 30 minutes right now. So, does anyone have any last thing they would like to say with regards to tradition, rites of passage, or any other thing that's been on their mind? I know it's kind of a weird subject to bring up. Oh, I just, I just remembered something. This is not um, a family tradition, but this was like, I started like a cult in high school, and Sarah knows about this. It was the cult of the Rat King. And this was like a D and D game going on. No, out of no, no, no. It was not. It was just I had I had henna, and I used to draw a symbol on everyone's inner left wrist if they wanted to join, and they would become part of the Rat King. That, that's it. Do you know what the rat what a Rat King is? This is an actual thing in like biology and stuff. Yeah. So enlighten me. Oh dear. Um, in like, you know, like rat dens, they'll be like scurrying over each other and all that stuff. And sometimes their tails can get tied together. And, um, instead of, you know, like rampantly trying to like tear each other apart, they'll learn to kind of work together. But over time, as these rats are like moving together, they inevitably collect more rats tied by the tail. And sometimes, like, you can find pictures online of, you know, like, five to eight rats tied together, died together. And, you know, it's it's kind of beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So Ava is our rat king, and all of her friends are also rat kings because we are a symbiotic unity alien parasite together. Yeah, it's like hive mind, you know, like... Who has the mind of the Rat King? Who bends to whose will? Which rat was the one that was able to control the movement? Ava, you're a Zerg main, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next question. (laughs) And here's the best part. Now that you have become our friend, you're also part of the Rat King. Only if and only if you will get the mark of the Rat King on your inner left wrist. Ah. <laughs> if I say no, is there going to be like a, some kind of curse placed upon my head? Don't worry about it. Do you want there to be one? Uh, no, I don't. Um, let's see. This is where I got to use my diplomacy skills. <laughs> uh, your diplomacy is like a zero. I have, I think you have like a zero roll on charisma. So good luck with that. What are you talking about? I got a twenty roll on paralysis. <laughs> That basically comes with all the charisma and all the Stop. pity that can come with the world. Listen, that's a good joke. It's a great joke, even. Fall back on the disability. I can't do it. I'm allowed My to do it. Goodness. Um, yeah, uh, I'll have to get back to the audience about that decision, but I will just say for now that I think it would probably rub off the left wheel as I pushed it everywhere. So uh, that plus I'm also a... Uh, gamer moment. I'm also a bit of a Protoss main, which means that I probably wouldn't, and then there'd be a bunch of Dark Templars. I'm also a 41k fan, and I imagine the Inquisition would come after me, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate the offer, but I think I'll have to turn you down. Ouch. I mean, I'm not too concerned about it, because, you know, being part of the Rat King, you need to really be bonded to work together. So yeah. if you're not willing to be part of it, then it's like no tears. Doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't work. Yeah. Okay, well, glad it doesn't work for you. I'm just going to go form my own clan now. <laughs> uh, we're going to call ourselves the Holy Rollers. <laughs> nice, nice. And we're going to have pie. 
because everyone loves pie and puppies because puppies are wonderful. This is turning into the Nutcracker kind of weird fanfic version. Oh man, I paid money to see that Tchaikovsky reimagined. <laughs> Introducing the Nutcracker, brought to you in 40K, directed by Michael Bay. Love that. Mm. Well, does anyone else have anything crazy to say? All hail the Rat King. <laughs> and I'm going to go call the Inquisition now. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're just going to say something random and then it's going to trail off into music and then the after. Okay, good job. Let's see here. Yellow pages, yellow pages. Ah, here they are. Let's see. Thanks for listening to this episode of Downhill From Here. This has been Michael Commit, along with Sarah Cardenas and Ava Rogers. Feel free to follow the show on Spotify or whatever platform you happen to be using. Want to know how to dodge being secretly initiated into a high school cult? Then follow the show on Instagram at downhillfromhere.podcast. You can also catch behind-the-scenes, promotional material, or suggest a future topic via DM. Ah, the Inquisition. Gosh, this number is old. <laughs> wonder if it's even still in service. Anyway, remember, you are a beautiful person, and I hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs>